The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. From Spirituality and Health magazine, I'm Rabbi Rami, and this is Essential Conversations. Before we speak with today's guests, I'd like to tell you about a new podcast I host called Conversations on the Edge, introducing you to a motley group of thinkers who are pushing the boundaries of spirituality, community, and culture. Today's guests are Nancy Abrams and Joel Premack. And every once in a while, I get a sense that they're, and I know this is really pushing it, but that there are new revelations coming through people and A lot of it has to do with science and a new way of viewing and understanding science that has it speak to the human future, what it means to be human in the 21st century and beyond, that is radically new, radically uh, different, and absolutely crucial to our understanding of ourselves as human beings. And I think this book, The New Universe and the Human Future, is one of those books to unpack it we have to start with the basics. So, Nancy, what is cosmology? And, Joel, why does it matter? Um, cosmology has two very different meanings. And one is the meaning that's in anthropology. And a cosmology in anthropology means the way that a culture views reality and how they fit into it, how the universe operates, uh, what the gods expect of them, the whole picture of reality that the culture shares that makes them a culture. Okay, that's the anthropology view. Then in science, in modern science, um, cosmology is the study of the universe as a whole. It's evolution, it's what it's made of, how it operates and so forth, but it has nothing to do with people because it's on the very, very large scale. What we are trying to do is to bring these two things together Because it's really important that when we think about our cultural cosmology, the idea of how we fit into the universe, we have to understand the real universe that we're actually in, that science is discovering. So I think that Joel and I are among the first to try to bring these two very different versions of cosmology together so we can have a coherent big picture for the future. And it matters because... One thing that people should appreciate is that the way we thought about the universe until fairly recently was really radically wrong. All the light that we can see, all the stars and glowing gas clouds, all of that together adds up to about half of 1% of the cosmic density. Most of the universe is made of two mysterious things, dark matter and dark energy. We don't know what they are or why there's so much of them, but we understand pretty well how they behave. I've had Uh, some role in figuring those things out. Now, why is this important? Well, as Nancy was saying, 
this is uh, our history. And if we want to look for something that we can all share, a common ground, to help us deal with the challenges of the present, the best common ground we have is our history. And, and knowing our history helps us understand our place in the universe. Yeah, for example, we know that the universe is about 14 billion years old. That's how long it's been since the Big Bang. And Earth is about four and a half billion years old. But people like us have only been on Earth fairly recently. It's not completely clear when we should start the clock. People certainly look like us over 100,000 years ago, but they didn't have any culture like ours. On the other hand, the people who did the, the greatest cave paintings 30,000 years ago or sculpted beautiful little sculptures. When you see that, that work, you realize that those are artists that could compete with any artists of today. So one has the impression that uh, those are people like us. If you don't appreciate the long history of life and the universe and even people, you can't possibly think very clearly about the future. So that raises an issue, Nancy, that the two of you write about in the book. You say that the, the story that you're telling of the universe is in opposition to the creationists who say the universe is you know, 6,000 years old. But then you write this. You're also opposed to those who believe that, and this is a quote, the Earth is just an average planet of, an av of a random star in a universe where no place is special. It sounds to me like what you're describing is something that's very special. If, I, I don't know if it's unique in the universe because it's so huge, but it's very special, a certain bandwidth where life like us can happen. Is that fair? Is that, am I on the right yes, track? Yes, I think it's really important to realize that Earth is not an average planet. And um, there, are many, there are many ways in which it's not average. The reason we, we bring this up, though, is because... Um, let me just go back for a second to these, this anthropological idea. It's very important to have a story of the world and the larger universe that you're a part of. Um, this is one of the reasons why science falls short of giving us a, a, a real cosmology that we can live by, because it doesn't tell us how we're a part of it. So the important thing is to have a story that you're part of that you can share with the people around you because that's the basis of community. That's the basis of cooperation. And this is the important part today. It should be true. There's never been a cosmology in history as useful as they were. that was actually true because nobody knew what the universe was. Now we have this theory that Joel has worked on with his colleagues and so forth. And many other scientists are contributing parts of this. But the thing is that that is contributing a huge part of what we need to have a coherent picture. We are dealing today with global problems. All the problems that are really terrifying today exist on the global scale, especially climate change. And we cannot understand the global scale unless we have a context in which we can see it. So, this is one of the really important reasons why we need to have a cosmology that is not only accurate, but we put it shared. Right. In the book, and again, I'm quoting, you write, to act wisely on the global scale, we need to think cosmically. Exactly. Exactly. And, and oh. that's what's exciting, because it 
the cosmology we get from mainstream religion has nothing to do with science. It doesn't, it doesn't fit. I mean, I know that you worked, I don't know if worked is the right word, maybe you advised Daniel Matt in his book, God in the Big Bang, to come up with some kind of theology that could include the cosmology that uh, science... No, he didn't, ask, he didn't ask for any advice on the theology part. All he asked for was help to make sure that his explanation of the origin of the universe was true. <laughs> okay, don't don't muddy the waters with God. I got it, fine. That's, no, 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 that, no that wasn't I'm kidding, idea. no, I was uh, kidding. Actually, but. I discussed uh, uh, everything in the book uh, with Danny uh, and many other things as well. Danny is my uh, guru on uh, Kabbalah. But as Nancy said, the, the key thing that Danny was interested in was to make sure that any scientific statement he made was correct. And uh, I was able to help him with that, uh, also for his second edition. So what, I, I mean, I deal with people all the time who would listen to what you're saying about cosmology and say, God has no place in this. Now, the God they're talking about is a supernatural deity. And, and that, I would personally, I, I'm not a supernaturalist. I think that God is the universe itself, that the entire multiverse, if that's what it is, is a process and the process is God and God's not outside the process. God is the process. But if someone were to say, well, do you believe in God and what kind of God do you believe in? How might you respond to that? Well, I have recently written a book about this called A God That Could Be Real. Oh, and I knew that. Yes. <laughs> um, the thing for me is that I believe that God is the most powerful idea that humans have ever come up with. When you look at what it has inspired and um, really what it has enabled people to do, but people are holding on to this ancient pre-scientific view of God that cannot be real. So that forces them to make a choice between whether they're going to prioritize the spiritual world of God, or they're going to prioritize the scientific world in their sense of reality. And I think this is a big, big mistake. You can't change science. It is what it is. But God is a word, and we get to define it. The concept of God needs to be rescued from the religions. So what I'm interested in is, it always comes back to politics for me, I hate to say this, but my feeling is that we need every advantage we can possibly muster, we human beings, to get through the, the coming century. Because so many decisions are going to be made that are going to have enormous uh, consequences for the distant future. And right now, there's just no way to cooperate worldwide. There's just no basis, no common ground. And what did, what did earlier people use for common ground? They used their religions. And we are using religions today to divide people and to, and, and to um, stoke conflict. It, I mean, religions sometimes help people on the individual level to feel comfortable, but that's why the world is falling apart around them. That's a mistake. So I wanted to find a way of thinking about God where God could serve all of the purposes that it always has, uh, all the positive purposes that it has, but would be absolutely real in the modern universe. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, 
a weekend workshop May 24th to 26 at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. So what I realized was that uh, everything that is complex, and God has to be more complex than we are, or it's not God-like, everything that is complex in our universe has evolved. Complexity doesn't exist at the beginning. The beginning of the universe was very, very simple. And everything that we see has, has come from nothing but particles and energy. I mean, so God has to have evolved if it's going to be real. What could it have evolved from? What could only have come from us? Because it's our God. And it has to be more complicated than we are. And we're the most complex things that scientists know of in the universe. So that was the beginning. I realized it had to come from us. And then I realized that that is how emergence works. Emergence is the phenomenon that is across all size scales in this universe. That when a system is very complicated, there are many moving parts and they're all interacting with each other. If you step back and you look at the system as a whole, the parts will merge and something, a new reality on a larger size scale will become visible. And that's really what I see God as, that it is an emergent phenomenon from us. Now, different things that people do have created different emergent phenomena. So, for example, trading things has emerged as the global economy with all kinds of complicated laws that no one can possibly figure out. And people wanting to gossip, which is apparently one of the basic uh, drives of human beings is to gossip. Um, over time, everybody trying to gossip has led to the media. And you know, government is an emergent phenomenon. Art is an emergent phenomenon. These are all things that came into being because many people were engaged in them and their interactions, from their interactions arose, um, you know, industries, corporations, larger things that are abstract but real. And that is the kind of thing that I think God is, although God is much older than all those things. So it had to come from the most basic thing that really, I think, made us human. And that is that we aspire. Animals normally don't aspire to have a better life for their children than they did. But we do. And we pretend and we, and we imagine and we, we, we strive. We can't help ourselves. We all do that. And all of our aspirations interacting to me have emerged into something real. It's as real as the economy or the government, and it is godlike to us because it's given us our language. It's given us our ability to communicate with each other. So, so God is an emergent property of the human mind, if I'm following No, this. that's not what I'm saying ah, at good. all. Tell, tell me, Absolutely, tell me. it is not an emergent. It is emergent in the world. It is a global planetary phenomenon because it has emerged from all human beings interacting. It's not in anyone's mind. Is the economy in your mind? It's, a, it's an interesting question where it is, not... It's not a geographical place. Because no, but but the economy, different. money is a, is a narrative. We tell ourselves that these little green pieces of paper have value. 
because right. they do have value. They well, do. Well, have they value. do as long as we tell that story. But that's that's what God is. If well, that's what I'm asking. That's what I... God is gone. Right. That's that's what I'm asking you. So I do not believe in a God that exists independently of human beings. We have not created God. It has come. It has emerged through laws of nature. We did not do this intentionally, but nevertheless. Having emerged from us, it is always connected to us. We feed it, it feeds us. And to me, this idea of God that has created language and art and all this, this is our bridge to the larger universe. It's not the same as the universe. It's what allows us to mentally be so much more huge than all the other animals are and to comprehend the universe and to have language about it. The very concept of universe. So let me let me ask you this about, about what, what you're saying. So it sounds like there's some kind of feedback loop, and maybe I'm still not getting it. But if I heard you right, you need people in order to have God. Yes. Okay. Then God informs humanity, human life. Right. Right. So so humans are of are multifaceted. On the one hand, we can have this great altruism and you know, be loving and compassionate and just. And on the other hand, we can be the exact opposite. And the gods that we have narrated or the gods that we've believed in over the last thousands of years reflect both the best and the worst of us. So are you hopeful that the, the um, I don't know if I want to say the emerging God, I don't know how you want to put it, but the God you're talking about, how does that God teach us, if that's the right word, how does that God inform us to keep us moving toward altruism and cooperation rather than scarcity thinking and violence if and people, all the rest? If people could understand this, if people could understand that God is emerging from us, from the thing, from the choices that we make, every choice that we make about how we want the world to be, about how we want things to work, all of our aspirations, that is going into God. And if we want to have a God that is really useful to us, we need to feed it with good aspirations. I mean, it really is up to us what God becomes. And if people are terrible and have really horrible aspirations, you will have a horrible and weak God. Wow, okay. And it will not be much use to them. So really, uh, we have to take responsibility for God. But when we do it, we get all the benefits of an incredibly rich and inspiring reality. So we're coming up against uh, you know, the end of our time, but this is so interesting. I'm going to ask the two of you to take a stab at something that maybe is just outside your comfort zone. Talking about this, in a sense, evolving God, what's your sense of the future of religion? Do you see an emerging religion that reflects what you're talking about? Or is religion just, we got to get rid of that if that's even possible? And we're looking at something new, some other kind of spirituality. What, what's your sense of it? That is really such a great question. And I really would like to see the demise of the organizations that call themselves religions in the longer term. But I think the whole idea of religion as being some sort of a spiritual bond, I think we would, be, we would turn into robots without it. I mean, we need it. We need it. We need to inspire each other. We're going to need a huge amount of creativity to get through the next century. Huge amount. Because we're going to have so much fewer resources. 
How are we going to do it? And we may have way more people. It's going to take a lot. How are we going to do that without any kind of spiritual inspiration? So I think that my idea is, in a sense, Rami, I'm solving a problem that people don't know they have yet. But I think the time will come, and that's why they don't really understand it. But the time will come when people will realize that we need global common ground. We need an ethic. We need a sense of principles that can guide us through the future. I'm not saying we should give up diversity. You know, everybody can wear what they want and eat what they want and pray to whoever they want privately. But somehow we have to have some common ground that is strong enough so it makes us feel part of a community and that community has to be the human species. Otherwise, we will not. Joel, you want to add to that? Well, Nancy's thought a lot more about the religious aspects of this than I have. So I'd rather uh, let her be the one who uh, talks about that. (laughs) I I will say, though, that in her book, A God That Could Be Real, after the first couple of chapters which are on the history of uh, ideas of God, in the third chapter, she introduces uh, this idea. She asks the question, of all the things in the universe, is there anything that is worthy of the name God? And she decides that it's this emergent phenomenon from human aspirations. And then the rest of the book basically works out the implications of that for prayer, for the afterlife, for uh, all the sorts of issues that humans have been concerned with. So uh, I personally uh, found Nancy's ideas on this uh, extremely uh, original and very interesting. To the extent that I understand them, I think I've more or less adopted them. But they're really her ideas, so I think that she should get the last word on that. And we will leave her with the last word on that. (laughs) Nancy Abrams, Joel Premack, thank you so much for talking with us on Essential Conversations. You're so welcome, Rami. Glad to do it. Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami is the bi-weekly podcast of Spirituality and Health magazine. If you like the show, I urge you to check out my new podcast, Conversations on the Edge, brought to you by the One River Foundation. Conversations on the Edge features a variety of iconoclasts, apostates, and freethinkers who are trying to change the world for the better. Also, please be sure to rate and review this podcast in iTunes or your preferred podcast platform. Essential Conversations is produced by Ezra Baker, and our executive producer is Ben Nussbaum. I'm Rabbi Rami. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, They don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.